Welcome to Roll with Adventure, a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast that transports you through the magic of imagination from our world to the far-off world of Ibris, a land full of heroes and villains, the evil and the divine, monsters and miracles, and, of course, magic. We are delighted to bring you this adventure from our imagination to your ears. If you like what you hear, please subscribe for future episodes and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us in this podcast, please visit us at rollwithadventure.com. And now let's listen as our heroes roll with adventure. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Roll with Adventure's campaign of Shadows and Bliss. My name is Cass, and I am the dungeon master for this ragtag band of heroes. And today our journey into this tale of adventure, intrigue, secrets, and magic across the world of Ibris continues. This episode continues around dusk on Krulum, the first of Leonay, in the year 1083 PR, on the road a few hours outside of Dwemer Hollow, where our heroes approach what they think is the first sign that may lead them to the infamous bandit camp of Sir Jared. Now, before we dive right in, let's meet our band of heroes, and to decide the order of introduction, let's roll player initiative, not character. And remember, here, we roll with adventure. I think everyone knows how to do player initiative now, so how dexterous or not have each of you been this past week? One of the gifts I got for Christmas was a popcorn maker, and there's a fairly archaic way of actually loading it up with butter. It usually takes like 10 minutes, but I've gotten it down to like 45 seconds. I absolutely honed the process down to an art form, so I'm going to give myself a plus two this week. I probably deserve a negative one because uh, I have been spending a lot less time with children and a lot more time uh, doing tedious data entry. So I am physically and mentally much less spry than I usually am. Yesterday I was cooking potatoes in the oven and I bumped my, I was testing to see if they were done and I was being lazy. And so I didn't take the tray out. I was just poking them with a fork while they were still in the oven. And I bumped my hand into the rack above where the potatoes were sitting. And I didn't like just lightly bump it and then, you know, it, it gets ouchy or it blisters. I bumped it and like, I don't know, seared the skin off of it, I guess. It looked terrible, still looks terrible, um, but it's kind of stopped hurting now. So I'm going to take a minus two because that was not my finest moment. Laziness doesn't pay. Lies. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it does, which is why I did that. I'm on vacation, and I've been sleeping a lot and uh, gathering my strength to go back to work in a whole new year. Uh, so I'm going to take a flat, no, no bonus, no penalty, uh, because I'm reserving my strength. Mm-hmm. I feel that. I am so not ready for next week. So let's see what you roll. That's a 10. Uh, I also got a 10. But plus 2. I got a 19. But that's minus 1, so it's an 18. I'm Sasha, and I play Thalith, the half-elven bard who was raised by and can speak to ghosts. And my fun tidbit about Thalith this week is that she collects teeth. Uh, She takes teeth from her favorite uh, skeletons, that she finds uh, and keeps them in a little marble pouch in her pocket. 
My name is David, and I will be playing Jovan Savvy J. Cooperson, a human scholar. Um, his fun fact is he has no idea that Phalus collects teeth and would probably <laughs> be terrified if he ever stumbled across a collection. Deeply unsettled, at least. My name's Allie, and I'm playing Quarry Anaclathi Bostukbase, a Goliath Paladin. I almost said my name's Quarry, and I, and, but I stopped myself. Um, fun fact about Quarry... Stuke Base is Quarry's clan name. It means Death Peak, which is where Quarry's clan lives in the Northern Mountains. Uh, and I'm Brian. I'm at MindOverBrian on both Twitter and on Twitch, although with Twitch, it's spelled with a zero. And I'm playing Melian Barebone, a changeling barbarian who typically appears to be a bearded half-elven young man uh, who's 5'11", 215 pounds of muscle, apparently. Uh, with a noticeable scar running along his cheek from his upper lip and curving around to nick his. I think I keep changing the uh, ear, but I'm going to stay uh, right here. With red hair and blue eyes. Um, and the interesting thing about Melian is that he spends a lot of time trying to keep Faleth from showing off her collection of teeth, because he <laughs> supposes that it will probably scare people. <laughs> Brian, does the scar switch cheeks and people are just doing that like when somebody gets a new haircut and you don't want to say anything because they might have got it like a week ago or a month ago and you just didn't notice and people are like, God, was his scar on the other cheek? I don't remember. I, I don't what know. Happened? So I, I know that I keep saying that it's on a different cheek. I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty consistent on the right. <laughs> <laughs> but I would have to go back and check. And honestly, I did, do think it would be kind of funny if it switched because Melian also couldn't remember which <laughs> side of the scar was supposed to be on. So he just took the shape and was like, oh, uh, yep, yeah, note to the right ear. <laughs> this is canon. <laughs> well, now that everyone has introduced themselves, let's get this adventure rolling. And remember, here we roll with adventure. That was a good one. That energetic, enthusiastic, but with a hint of menace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was definitely some drama in there. Last session, you had arrived on the road that goes from between Dwemer Hollow to, eventually, the, the town of Barrowman's. And along that road you'd come to a large stone set slightly off from the road with a large swirl on it, possibly the first of the markers that you are meant to utilize to reach the bandit camp. I should remind you that you have with you Seth, the bandit, who's in manacles, and you have two guards, Corbin, and Yeshua. Now, I know that some point over the past few weeks of holidays where we haven't played, uh, there has been some conversation about if you guys brought the horses or not. We didn't. We definitely left them at the, uh, I want to say winery. Cidery. Cidery. And Faleth was very grateful about that because she still is not good at riding. Corey is more comfortable on feet as well. I was just going to say, yeah, it seems like uh, bringing a pair of horses for a trek through the woods, uh, potentially haunted, <laughs> enchanted woods, um, to then infiltrate a bandit camp, like, that doesn't seem like the 
clever thing to do. Especially not rented horses. <laughs> Especially not rented horses. Think of my credit history. <laughs> exactly. Jovan's money? You want to use Jovan's money? No, his money is useless here. <laughs> not that I really have anything to be saying about uh, the, the wise course of action, since I'm pretty much responsible for the two guards and the bandit being dragged with us, who I am continually regretting more and more and more <laughs> as we get deeper and deeper into it. I cannot wait for the guards to stab us in the back and this guy to betray our position to the bandits. The bandit. Honestly, that seems like one of the better case scenarios. <laughs> that's, that's pretty straightforward. We can deal with that. Faileth takes no responsibility for this, even though at one point someone asked her to make the decision, uh, because you should have known better than to do that, and also she just did what Jovan said. Yeah, Jovan did ask Quarry, and Quarry was like, I don't really do town things, so if you think we should bring the town guard, then, then we should. On paper was a good idea. Uh, <laughs> hey, we don't know. We gotta wait and see how it plays out. It may be incredibly useful. It's incredibly I mean, I doubt funny. It. There's no reason to think it's Melian, not going to go totally perfectly. Melian voted <laughs> against it, so uh, I'm pretty. Sure, he's pretty sure it's going to go very, very badly. <laughs> well, then he's the only one in the clear. One of these days, you, uh, Melian's going to cash in his "I told you so"s, and uh, <laughs> there's been a few of them building up. Yep. Eventually, today is not that day. So, are we ready? So as dusk falls, the shadows have lengthened and the quiet pall of darkness is coming. But while you still have enough light, you can see that this waystone is on the left-hand side of the road from your position, which is also the river side. And the edge of the clearing in which the waystone is ends in a small beach. This is where we cross the river. I'd say that I was hoping for a bridge, but I suppose it might have been a bit much to ask in hindsight. Ooh, are we swimming? <laughs> I think it may be a bit too cold for us to get wet without plans to start a camp with a fire. Cass, how wide is the river? Would you like to go up to the edge of the river? I would love to go up to the edge of the river. So before your group stretches the Darkling River, and beyond it, the Darkling Forest. At this point, the river appears to be 50 feet across, with the far bank appearing to have been cut by the water, showing a distinct elevation difference. From here, you can just make out the look of roots of tr from the trees dipping into the river below on the opposite bank. Or perhaps... Lots and lots of snakes and worms. It appears that this point in the river is actually a natural ford. Likely the reason that the signs start here. Jovan will turn to the bandit. Seth, how did your people, how did you cross when you came through this way? In, in the day, uh, just straight across. Uh, if you go a couple miles up, it just 
widens. If you go maybe 20 feet that way, it deepens considerably. All the rest of the way to the mountain. Right. I'm not too eager to hike through the woods sopping wet and cold. Maybe we can engineer some sort of way to carry us across or a bridge of some kind. I don't suppose anyone has that any bright like ideas. It's speak forever. Hmm. I could probably figure something out with some ropes, but I don't think it would be enough to support Quarry walking across. It's not deep. Why don't we just swim? With night coming on, I'm concerned that it would be too cold for us to trek through the forest in wet clothing. Yeah, but I've got magic. Yeah, that's that's simple. I can just what sort like, of poof. magic. What kind of magic would you be using? I mean, the kind that dries it off. If we oh, were perhaps oh. playing some sort of game that had specific spells that had names <laughs> and rules, you might call it prestidigitation. <laughs> but Taylor, we're not, be and this is real life. <laughs> Who would play that kind of game? Right? It seems like a real waste of time. So I call it my warming up spell. It's the only reason... See, you remember how... Well, I guess you wouldn't remember because you weren't there. It's hard for me to remember sometimes that you weren't always with me. But a couple of years ago, I guess maybe ten years ago? Yeah, nine years ago. I lost my toe because it was so cold. I froze it off. So I asked a ghost to teach me how to stay warm. And they taught me my warming up spell. Aren't you just a little bundle of surprises? That makes this a little bit easier then. Then mm -hmm. Yovan will start the trek across. He might cut like a piece of wood off of a tree or something nearby just to check the ground ahead of him as he walks. Make sure he doesn't. There's no pitfalls or anything. So crossing through running water uh, is difficult terrain. So your movement speed is thirty feet, right? Uh, that's correct. Yep. Okay, so you can move fifteen feet this round. So it will take you a total of four rounds to get to the other side, if your base movement speed. Is anybody else getting a real Oregon Trail vibe here? <laughs> we all die of dysentery! <laughs> I feel like the river's gonna surge and we'll see how many of us it carries away. Okay, so for making this the from the roadside bank to the first 15 feet across, can you give me an athletics check? Yeah. Sure. Uh, unmodified, or a modified 20. 11. Uh, also an 11. Uh, I'd like to posit that uh, I aid Phelous' roll because the odds are real good that they're essentially just hanging onto my neck. <gasps> can I ride on your shoulders? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll let you do that because Faileth also is smaller than most of mm -hmm. you, so th there is a portion of the river that might have been over her head. I'm quite wee, but it means I don't uh, wee very much. Did you say athletics? Yes. Seven. Okay. Does the heaviest person get washed away? No, but you do slip in the river. Oh, great. While the water normally in this section would only have gotten up to waist deep, you 
both you and Jovan do slip and are completely drenched. Don't worry, you've got magic! Now for this midsection of the river. Melian, you've got Faileth up on your shoulders and you're starting mm-hmm. to make your way across. And you can feel that the rocks underneath are pretty slippery. Like there might be some kind of uh, algae or uh, maybe even some small uh, plants or river reeds down Just there. River muck. Yeah, yeah. And as you're walking, like you almost like you can feel that it's uneven, but it doesn't give way under you. As Kawari and Yovan, on the other hand, are going, Yovan uh, is he's doing pretty well. He's making it a decent chunk of the ways. But as Kawari comes up behind him, Kawari's weight displaces a couple of the rocks Yovan was going to step on, and he also tumbles down in with her. Luckily, they, the pull of the water isn't too strong here. So, you don't get pulled downstream. For this next section, can I have another a strength athletics check? Indeed. You got it. Should I do stay on Melian? Can you give me a dexterity acrobatics check? (laughs) I did so good, you guys! I'm the best at acrobatics and dexterity! I'm, like, are you just, like, standing on his head? (laughs) (laughs) She's doing tricks. Uh, I'm doing, like, handstands. I'm totally flexing. Uh, That's a 22, but as (laughs) evidenced by my fancy dice roller, I'm at 20. Nice. Uh, so we 15 got... for me. Okay. And Kawari? Uh, 12. Okay. Kawari, uh, you actually go under in this next section, but everyone else is fine. Good. Um, Kawari, how much do you weigh? I weigh and 295 what... pounds. Jeez, um... <laughs> You don't get washed away. I'm seven two. I mean, I feel like I could be washed away if I fall awkwardly onto my back and my shield floats. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, Kawari, you slip under the water as about the midpoint, where for most people this is about chest deep mm-hmm. here. For you, that's maybe like midriff. Mm-hmm. But you have another situation where you slip, and you actually slip under the water, and your foot catches. Uh-oh. You mean it catches? Maybe between two, a few rocks. Like, it stops me from floating downstream, or like, it breaks my ankle? You're being held in place a bit by where your foot has fallen, and you're having a hard time trying to even stand up to get back up out of the water. Is my head still under the water? Yes. Oh dear. Melian, Quarry's not getting up. I was going to say, someone's stunting on my head. Can I tell? Oh, well, I think Faileth just told you. Melian! Uh, in which case, Melian will turn around. Jovan, you're in front of Quarry. Do I notice that she's gone down? Faileth, in front, Faileth, Faileth and Melian in front of you have just said that Quarry's gone down. Oh, fair enough. Uh, he'll pause, take a moment to make sure that he uh, found his footing, and then turn around and see if he can spot where Quarry's gone down. So Quarry should only be at most five feet behind you, but blub, it's blub, blub. dark, and there are maybe some bubbles coming up. <laughs> Does the river pass placidly enough for anybody to see that? Oh, well, they're <laughs> definitely coming up a bit farther uh, I downstream. Pull, I, pull, I, reach, I reach a hand down and try and pull Quarry up by your collar. 
Can you give me an... They're prowler. <laughs> can you give me a... Just a flat d20? Uh, it's an 11. You actually, like, you get your hand down and you get it onto Quarry's collar, and you can heft Quarry off enough that Quarry is able to get their footing. Quarry! Quarry! <laughs> Careful, Paladin. Thank you. The rocks are slippery. Thank you, yes. Yes, they are very slippery. And then to get to the other side, uh, can I have another strength athletics check? Oh no, this is going to be so embarrassing if I don't do this one. <laughs> 15. Uh, 15 for me. Also a 15. <laughs> uh, do you want me to do strength or acrobatic? Uh, I'm fine with you not, because you did... You, you're perched on his head. <laughs> I'm doing so good. I'm the best at holding on. Are you warming your fingers in his hair? He's got the best hair. So you guys have made it to the base of the bank on the other side, and it's there's a whole bunch of tree roots that are that go down into the water, and it's a pretty like broken dirt and like clay undercut bank. All right, who's ready to get warm? Oh, I definitely am, but um. I, I can go last. Start with the paladin. I am not that cold. That's true. You got fully dunked there, Corey. Hold on. Uh, and I press to digitate everybody so that they're dry. Um, and when I get to the guards, I'm like, now, I'll make you guys dry too. But you have to promise not to betray us later. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love Phelan. Is it a deal? Uh, they look at you and go... And they look at you really confused. Do you not? Do you not know what being dry is? <laughs> Young Miss. I mean, reasonable question. We are honorable guards from the city of Dwemerhollow. Yeah, but the prisoner isn't. Also, we don't. I wasn't know asking the prisoner. I trust him. <laughs> oh my god oh, no. he's my uh, friend I love you can see the expression on the guards faces are both just darkening like they've followed you they've trekked across a <laughs> river now Like I think we're having a, a misunderstanding I didn't say the part about trusting the prisoner in canon so oh. Okay. Oh. I assume we didn't have that conversation was that a conversation we were having? Um, y yes. I don't know, was it? <laughs> I, I, I thought it was. <laughs> sure, why not? Phyllis has never thought before she spoke before. I, I think we're having a misunderstanding here. Uh, I don't believe that Phyllis means any... Oh, uh, no. You insult. all seem like stand-up gents. I just, you know, don't trust you. She just doesn't really trust... Uh, Everybody. So anybody, really? Not yes. Some it's people. not meant to be taken uh, as a personal slight against your honor or reputation. Okay, here we go. And I dry them. Well, you guys have pulled yourself out of the waters of the Darkling River. You've set your guys' self up on the Darkling River bank on the forest side, and all of you are dry. So around you, there are trees. Trees and shrubs. All seem to 
reach for the sky, as if attempting to compete with each other. They don't grow harmoniously. It's as if they're all growing on top of each other, strangling each other, attempting to reach for the light, if the sun was shining this time. But the thin light of the, at the edge of dusk all but fades entirely as you enter into this forest. And as you walk, the sounds that you'd expect at night in a forest are not there. There is but silence. The sense of animals, insects, the musk. It does hang in the still air, an uneasy odor. It smells weird here. Hmm. We've heard some unpleasant things about this forest. Like what? All sorts of stories. This is where the apothecary's apprentice went missing, and where we may be able to find the Scola flower and the dire stag bear. I don't remember what any of those things are. Trouble, mostly. This is not the smell of wild animals, though. I suspect this is the smell of rotting vegetation. Hmm. Quarry will turn to the guards and ask them, have you been into the forest before? Is there anything you think we should be wary of? It's a dangerous forest. There's lots of stories. We keep our patrols pretty close to the edge and along the roads. The only Mixed. thing that I can really say is... Don't anger the maidens. The maidens? I'm afraid I'm not familiar. They're called the Darkling Maidens. Or at least that's what one of the legends say. Beautiful women that call this forest their home and are guardians to it. It's said that they take pity on travelers and help them sometimes saving them. But there's also stories about them and their lights doing much more. Causing much more pain. I see. This is a forsaken place. I'm not surprised that the bloody bandits would hide here. Thank you for coming with us. Your bravery does you credit. The few stories I've heard of this forest don't make me feel very easy about entering it. Foolish superstition. I'm only here because he's here. And Yeshua puts a, like, points a thumb back at Corbin. And Corbin is just leaning against a tree at this point with his arms crossed pretty 
with like an annoyed, angry look on his face. Hmm. And he and he's holding the uh, rope that goes to uh, Seth's manacles. I feel like my attempt to be diplomatic with the guards has failed. On one of them. It's because guards aren't very smart. <laughs> well, I do have I I have family in Barrowman's. Yeshua says. They, uh, it's it's on the eastern part of the forest, and there, uh, alongside the Triadrian, they also venerate the uh, maidens. And logging industry has been booming there. Cass, is it only Faileth that knows that nobody's heard from Barrowman's? Yes. Yep. Okay, cool. I discovered that at church when I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> ah, the most beautiful thing, handing out plot hooks and information, knowing it will never see the light of day. <laughs> I mean, it'll come and bite us in the ass, I assume. And if someone said something that would trigger her memory, then maybe she'd mention it, but... I heard a rumor that Alice Ducalian had gone to Barrowman's, and that's... That's why she disappeared. I don't. I mean, I suppose if she lives there, people around there would know about it. I don't suppose your family made any mention of the missing girl showing up in their home village. Is it a village? Why do you? Why do you know about the missing kids? That's what we're doing. We're looking into the disappearances to see if we can stop them or. Find the children. Because unlike the foolish city guards, we do not oh, base all our God. judgments on superstition and myth. He is going to look pretty, like, th there's a flash of anger that goes across his face. And he looks at Melian and says, We've spent hours, days, following up on leads trying to find these kids. I have no doubt that you have done all in your power to do, but perhaps it couldn't hurt to have some help. Well, I hope that at the end of this, uh, you'll be able to share what you've learned with us. And perhaps the, perhaps we can find a way to pool our resources, find these children faster and get them home, bring an end to their parents' suffering. Yes, perhaps, but we should, I suppose, focus on the matter at hand, which is the Missing rather noble. Yes. Well, no, he's not a noble. He's a he's a merchant. Merchant, that's right. Um. Yes, the missing Master Marsh. He's old, and well, we want to find him in as good health as is possible. They've had him for some time, and we see how they treated his son. Not very nice. No. Very true. Lead on. Yovan would turn to uh, Melian and Faileth. Your eyes are probably better at, for this kind of conditions than ours. Care to lead? Uh, Melian okay. will just, out of course, take the lead. Are you guys going to light torches? It is very dark. <laughs> I can see I the spine. I forgot. I forgot that I'm supposed to be a... Um, half elf, half elf, mm -hmm. dark vision. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it took me a minute to parse why you would tell me that I should go first, but I was going to do it anyway. And then I was like, oh yeah, I guess. Oh boy. 
<laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I can see just fine. I don't think, given all of the things that we've heard about the forest and that we want to catch the bandits by surprise, I don't think Quarry would want to light torches if we don't have to, especially if we have people in the party that can lead us. Trust in my eyes. This forest, pretty much the canopy is blocking out almost all moonlight. So it's, it's going to be almost pitch black. Okay. We're not talking about low light or dim light. We're, we're talking about dark vision, or do you have light? For Jovan, um, he would definitely be leaning towards a lantern, since the whole reason we brought the bandit along was so that he could spot the, the path that we needed mm -hmm. to take. Do we have one of the one of the uh, what are the lanterns? The, yeah, hooded lantern. That's one. Uh, Yovan has a hooded lantern at home, um, but he didn't think it would be needed on this particular day trip. Um, we have regular tent lanterns from the house, and we might be able to modify them. Would you like to take some time to modify those lanterns? Would he have an idea of how long that would take? If it's like ten minutes, then sure. Well, how are you thinking of modifying? Um, basically just turning them into hooded lanterns, um, blocking off the light from the, the other three sides and trying to like fashion it more towards a, a beam of light rather than a regular lantern. I don't know if I'm explaining myself clearly. Basically making discount hooded lanterns. <laughs> Is it something you would have done while Faith was drying everybody? Drying everyone wouldn't have taken more than a few seconds. But... Yeah, press the digitate just kind of does it. Oh. It would have taken most maybe a few minutes. Okay. To dry everyone off. Uh, the... Yeah, let's say you can. Uh, give me a... Give me a tools check of some kind. We got uh, thieves' tools, masonry's tools, carpenter's tools. Carpenter's tools are probably the more applicable ones here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay, so that's a 14... Um... Yeah, it's probably not worth burning expert, uh, expertise on. So, yeah, 14. Yeah, let's say that uh, you have some, with your carpenter's tools, you can fit some pieces of wood over the sections of the glass, or the open sections. Definitely don't want to drop these lanterns, but you can they block it. They got the it. tinder built in. That's great. Yeah. How efficient. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, he'd hand him out uh, to, to Corey and the guards um, Might offer well, I don't know if he'd offer one to Melian Because um, Melian can see in the dark <laughs> But <laughs> If Melian were to indicate he'd want them He'd probably give him one <laughs> uh, Melian will, will Just try and place himself specifically So that he doesn't have to Yeah, okay, that's fair, that's fair yep. <laughs> Reveal Brian? that he doesn't Yeah I've been waiting th three weeks for this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, how much, how badly does, no, there's enough light, I think, with other people holding, uh, and Melian, in, in, in a show of being concerned, will just, like, put a hand on uh, Faleth's shoulder. Ah, uh, excellent. So, while Jovan is doing that, can I have perception checks from, actually, can I just have a perception check from Faleth? Sure. I'm like, who would be able to see this? There's only one person. It's me! 
What's my perception? That is a 15. So, Faileth, a couple trees in the forest, you see the first bit of movement as your eyes are starting to adjust. Uh, you see an owl that flit that on the lightest of wings lands on a branch. And it looks at your party, doesn't say anything, and then its gaze sort of starts to follow something along the ground, and as you look down to it, you see a small mouse, or something like that. And as you're fixed looking at the mouse, suddenly the mouse is pulled up off the ground by the owl's head. And you see the owl's head move back up towards its body. And you realize that the head of this owl between it and the owl's body you saw rows and rows of almost insectile chitinous vertebrae I don't like this forest <laughs> huh. so glad I didn't see that that was bizarre what was bizarre, Bailiff? Oh, that owl has a snake neck. I beg your pardon. The owl, that one over there, the owl in the tree, mm-hmm. it ate a mouse, but its neck turned into a snake first. Uh, that it was pretty gross. Sounds That bodes poorly. I've never seen that before. Is that something that owls around here usually do? It is not. Not that I've seen. Yeah, it was really weird. There is something strange about this forest. The guards look at each other and, like, they they look spooked. And Seth looks terrified. Seth, do you know about the owls? Uh, there's something... There's something going on wrong across the whole forest. I was so glad when I was stationed away from it. The animals aren't right here. I wonder if it has something to do with the druids being driven out of their home, or perhaps that druid with the blue eyes. I wouldn't be that surprised. You don't know terror until you've seen them fully grown black bear with praying mantis arms. Oh, that sounds wicked cool. Are we likely to see such a thing? We lost four men in one of my in a group that I was in to one of them. Well, we've had good warning. We shall stay alert. Just four. Melian took on more than that in just a few seconds. I think we're in good hands. We didn't kill it didn't kill Melian either. Uh, he's going <laughs> to, thinking back to the trip across the river and the fact that he's carrying a tinder lantern, he's going to use a mage hand to, to lift his lantern above his head, stop him from stumbling with it, and then he's going to forge ahead into the forest before people can get any more creeped out. 
Good idea. Faileth looks around eagerly for bears with spraying mantis. Because <laughs> <laughs> that sounds wicked cool. Uh, Melian shakes loose his, um, his sword, uh, but doesn't, uh, doesn't draw it and, uh, keeps a hand protectively, in air quotes, on Mephela's shoulder. <laughs> I think Quarry would draw their halberd as well. Excellent. Maybe pair themselves with Yovan so that they're within his light, or does Quarry have their own lantern? Uh, I, I think everyone who wanted a lantern has their lantern, except for Melian. I think I would, um, I'll probably stick with somebody who has a lantern, because my weapon is two-handed, and if I... Actually, no, the war pick is only one-handed, right? Maybe yes. I think so. Uh, yeah, the pick's usually one In that case, I will use the war pick instead of my usual halberd, just so I can hold the lantern. Are you better in the forest anyways? Alright, we go in? Yeah, let's do it. As you press on into the forest... You notice the same scent. It just, it magnifies. It gets worse. It's cloying. Streaking and clinging to your nostrils. The scent of decay. Of things that are wrong. And while that assaults your no your nostrils, in the silence you begin to hear small sounds. The crack of a branch. Sounds of leaves being disturbed. Like farther away from us or from our movement? Both. Does it sound like we're being followed? Or like something's on a parallel course? Possibly. Hmm. I think this might be my new favorite place. <laughs> I can't say I'd like to stay here. It smells like my mom. <laughs> Can confirm. <laughs> Especially in the first couple years, before her skull had fully become just bone. When she still had all her flesh and gooey bits on it. <laughs> Yovan just briefly closes his eyes, breathes in, regrets breathing in because of forest, <laughs> and then continues on. Uh, Melian thickens the beard on his face so that maybe he can use it to, to like filter his breaths on. <laughs> just grows the mustache so it's over his mouth so he can breathe through it. Uh, remembering that if anybody looks at him, he's going to have to fix it later. So as you're going through, the smell, the sounds, otherwise the forest seems pretty normal for a extremely wild and probably forsaken or cursed location. You hear... The seven sets of footprints that your group is making. I'm like now madly counting in my head. There are seven of us, right? <laughs> Two guards, prisoners, four of us. Yeah. Good. You 
continue, slowly making your way, checking at times with Seth. He's rather shaky, but you're following what sort of seems like a bit of a trail. Perhaps a game trail. And we are looking for that weird tree that was in the drawing. The stump first, I think. The carved stump. Mm. I thought the stump came after the weird tree. We have. A oh, so it did. Yes, weird tree. Weird tree first. Don't mind me. I keep trying to read the map in reading order, but. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> and as you continue, you come to a clearing. clearing that for the first time you can see light in. And in the center of this clearing is a single tree. Oh. And upon this tree there are six branches mm. only. But strangest of all, this clearing. Is that throughout the entire area are unlit candles. Candles set upon melted candles. Candles set upon branches. Candles set upon roots. Cool. That's not creepy at all. Um, does the tree have three higher branches and three lower branches? Why, yes, it does. Hmm. Does one of the branches talk or try to bite us? <laughs> I'm just looking at the drawing. Or my rendition of the drawing. Seth uh, looks around and says this is one of the places. What are the candles for? Usually the they're thing. lit. Oh, do you want me to light them? <laughs> Uh, I press to digitate the candles lit. Oh, oh, nice. So, Faileth, as you press digitate a one of the candles lit, every single candle lights. Oh, that's easy. There you go, all lit now. You have more of a talent for this than I thought, Faileth. That was quite impressive. Oh, thank you. Quarry grips their war pick a little bit more firmly, worrying that we've just summon some kind of evil tree spirit. March into the beat of the storm song. Where to next, Seth? Uh, the... The tree with with the candles, it, it still will cast a shadow. And where the shadow breaks... 
the clearing is is where we go. Does it cast a shadow? That bricks clear. Are you going to actually step into the clearing? Yep, I step yeah. right uh-huh. in. I'm not okay. superstitious. So you guys cross into the clearing. Uh, you, I assume Melian goes in first with Faileth, and then after a few moments of seemingly nothing happening, you all proceed in. Uh, and you do find that there are the single branch that stretches out farthest from the tree. It has candles all along the top of it. So... Because of that, it casts a decent shadow onto the ground that goes directly in a line, straight to the edge of the clearing. I guess we follow the shadow? Mm-hmm. Indeed. After but... we crossed, Faileth, would you be able to put the candles out? If you'd like me to, sure. Right, let's wait us all to get out of the clearing first. So what order are you guys walking in? Uh, well, Faileth and Melian are leading the way. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I imagine we want to keep the, the guards and the prisoner in the middle, just in case the prisoner tries to make a run for it. And then me and Quarry are up behind. I think Quarry would take the very back, just because their shield is sometimes helpful in warning of attacks from behind. Seems wise. All right. As Kawari is the last one to step out of the of the clearing, Faileth, you go to reach to snuff out a candle, and before you, I even would use have begun to, <laughs> Before you've even drawn your fingers together to snap, they all go out. Hmm. Oh, that's handy! I didn't even need to use any magic. Thanks, candles. And as you shout your thanks, a thin veil of poltergeist white mist begins to creep across the clearing towards you. Cass, is my mom here? Yeah, your your mom is pulled into the skull. She did that quite early on. Okay. Did only Faileth see that, or has everybody seen it? Oh, Faileth, I think, is the only one that... So you would have noticed that Faileth probably, like, went to turn around to do the thing, and then all the can... And then all the light behind you went out. Okay. That was easy. But if you don't point a lantern in that direction, you guys wouldn't be able to see what Faileth is seeing. So, Faileth, you see this mist slowly coming, making its way, and this vapor, there's no wind as it draws towards you. Hey, guys. tongueless, spineless, lipless fog, mist, and as it wafts over you. You each begin to go cold. Uh Uh-oh. 
this almost ethereal and gossamer fragile mist begins to thicken and cling begins to wrap around you until even with your outstretched or mage hand hung lanterns everything As the tendrils of fog and mist wrap around you... Wait, how fast are these tendrils moving? Because if they're coming towards us, uh, I think I vote we move. (laughs) A wall of mist has just wafted over you. And is thickening. So would you like to run? Uh, Yeah, I vote we keep moving in the direction we were going. Yep. Okay. Um, If it doesn't slow down the group too much, I might take time to... Fish out some rope, just so that we all have something collectively to hold on to. Uh, is the mist moving so fast that that would be too long? The mist is moving rather fast. Alright, I vote we run and keep an eye on the person in front of us. <laughs> so as you run, the mist that has... The mist... You're running in the mist. It's already caught up with you enough that you're in it. But at the edge of it. I guess Quarry is overtaken first. Yes. And you can't see within the mist, right? You can just barely make out the sense that there's light in front of you. But once the mist overtakes you, the world is rather cold, numbing. And white. Quarry would try to keep an eye on Yovan's light and then remember the story about the like the lights that play tricks on you feel worried and try to listen for the footsteps of their companions oh boy we just lost Quarry didn't we <laughs> can I have a perception check from Quarry yep as the person at the front I get to worry about this last but also can I help you uh, that's a 17. You can only hear the sound of your own blood pumping in your veins. The oh, sound good. of your own footsteps as you that's, charge on ahead. That's awesome. Uh, but I'm, okay, I'm still following the light, I guess. That's all I got. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Bye, a everybody. Short, a few moments later, it thickens around Yovan. Yovan calls out, no, we're not going to be able to outrun this. Stop for a moment so we can figure something out. We don't want to lose anyone. Faileth, Melian, you don't even hear him yell that. Yovan <laughs> uh, pauses. Does uh, he get run over by Quarry? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, he'll, he'll pause, gather his bearings, um, fish some rope out. And then call out again. And then continue calling out for like the next five minutes, so. (laughs) Quarry's still chasing the light. Nice. It takes a few minutes, but eventually even the cold 
white fog completely closes in around both you, Melian, and Fela. Yeah, as soon as Melian can't see. So I, I A, presume that um, Melian picked Fela up and just started running. Uh, with her tucked under his arm like a football. <laughs> and... <laughs> and then as soon as he can't see, because it's too... like. Obviously, he let his eyes adjust to the darkness and never look back at the people with a light. Um, and then, as soon as he can't make any, he'll just stop. And then wait to see. Oh, and draw his sword, obviously. Is your sword one-handed or two-handed? It's a are long sword. Putting Faileth down. Nope. Or are you holding her, like... How is Faith being held? Is she a sack of potatoes at this point? She, she's tucked up under my arm like a football, I just said. Okay, okay. I'm tackling. <laughs> and then with my other arm, I pull out, uh... With my other hand, I pull out my sword. So around you, around all of you, is a white mist. A spook gray so thin that it is white but so much of it that you can't even see the trees around you and then just as the mist came You hear a sound. Drip. Drip. The sound of rain on leaves. And the mist begins to clear. Melian and Fela. You look around, the trees unfamiliar to you, as you ran off. None of your companions are near you. Jovan, as the mist begins to clear, you see yourself standing at the edge of a pool of water. A still pool. And Quarry, you find yourself in a rather strange part of the forest. Oh, good. Here, the trees look as if they've been burned in lots of places. But they don't look burned by fire. Okay. More rather melted. Which group or singular individual would like to go first? I do not have a preference but would be willing to choose. Also. Well, in that case, uh, Quarry would almost reflexively whip their shield up over their head 
would like set the lantern on the ground because their hands are already full and would just kind of shrug it like off their back so it's sort of resting on their shoulder and protecting their body okay um and then would kind of take a look around at what they can see within the circle of light around them so remember that it's more of a cone or a beam of light oh, that you've right. got. Dang. Yeah. Okay. So as you sort of pass your beam of light over this area, you see that a lot of the trees, rocks, even the ground, has been scarred by something acidic. Something that reminds you a lot of home. Something from the forests from home. Mm -hmm. Corey's probably thinking, so there's a lot of acid damage here. Yeah, there is a distinct amount of acid damage here across yeah. the area. Concerned that they have stumbled upon a nest, they are going to... Um, now that they've got their shield in place, they're gonna try to sort of like hold the lantern and the shield with one hand, if that makes sense. Like, cause they're just holding the edge of the shield to keep it balanced on their back. Um, and they have their weapon in their other hand and they're gonna slowly try to make their way out of this space to, to an area of the forest that has less acid damage. You slowly begin to make your way, and it seems like you're getting farther from the epicenter of this damage. And as you do, you begin to notice bones. Mm -hmm. Lots of bones. Bones mostly of smaller animals scattered about. Mm -hmm. And as you continue cautiously moving, please give me... A dexterity saving throw. Ooh, uh, that's a ten. They're probably starting to mutter in giant, and um, and are perhaps quietly whispering, "I am not your food. I mean you no harm." As you begin to cautiously move while muttering. You back up a bit towards one of the trees, and your foot steps a bit closer to the base. And there's a sudden cracking sound Ooh. as the ground underneath you gives way oh. into an almost liquid morass <gasps> uh -huh. of rot at the base of the tree. Okay. And the tree comes tumbling down on top of you, pinning to the ground. Things have been better. I mean, I thought you were going to say that I've fallen into a pit of acid, so this is better than I thought, sort of. Corey would, you know, grunt at the impact and then try to assess for any injury. You have taken 19 bludgeoning damage oh, and good. are pinned. Good under the fall tree that has fallen onto you. You're unable to determine why it's fallen. The lower half of you is 
stuck in that muck. Um, okay, so Quarry would... Probably first wiggle to see what what if any of them is not pinned, and then would kind of look around. And as you go to look around, let's move to someone else. Oh, no. Ah, you mentioned a pond. Um, so the the first thing as the rain starts to come down, that and the mist starts to clear, that you'll want to look for is footprints. As soon as he notices that he's alone. Before the rain washes them away. You even turn around to try and look for your own. They're not there. Mm. Right. And other than the pond, is there anything distinctive about the forest he's in? Can you give me a perception check? Absolutely. So that's a 10, modified after to be a 9. I'm going to go ahead and spend a trick point to make that less terrible. Give me a second. Try out these new dice. Uh, it's a 2, so it's an 11. It takes some time as the mist clears away, as it's torn by each drop of rain. But in front of you is a large, shallow pond, and around it, the trees seem much healthier than they have been in the rest of the forest. And the far side, you see what you think almost looks like a hut. Hmm. Right. Um, first off, can I see the bottom of the pond? You, there is, you are able to see a bit by some shafts of moonlight that are coming down, as well as from your lantern. It doesn't look that deep. Maybe a foot, two feet at most. Oh, definitely no companions down there, then. Okay. Right, uh, he's going to... He's going to call the lantern down. And, uh... Though it's already probably too late, he's going to put a little cloth over uh, the one entry... Uh, or the one... On when the light's coming out, just to soften it a little bit. And then he's going to uh, quietly move towards the hut. So you see that this is a hut, and going off from either side of it is what appears to be a trail. There is no door on this side of the hut. Uh, he'll do a, a quick loop around the building. Um, he figures that if any of his companions encountered it, they would have likely taken shelter inside while they waited for the rest. So as you circle it, you recognize mm -hmm. that this is not a hut, but rather a small shrine that is open on the other side, on the side of the trail that appears to have been vandalized. The statue of a beautiful woman with elfin features has been knocked to the side, and a few small animal statues are strewn about, while the what likely was an offering bowl, has been snapped in two. Uh, he's reminded of the story the guard was speaking, uh, mentioned. The maidens of the forest. Um, before he had met Faileth, he probably would have absolutely left this alone. But maybe he's been a little bit emboldened by spending so much time around someone who is so carefree 
about these sorts of things. So he's going to take a moment and try to clean it up, put things back together, and do what he can to mend the bowl uh, before going up. And he'll, after he's done that, leave a note for his companions uh, mentioning that he's taken the path in case they stumble into it later. Okay. Can you give me a religion check for <laughs> putting this back together? <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, if you would prefer, you can try to do a perception or an... I would even give you an investigation check. So, uh, Jovin's actually really good at religion. Um, it's an intelligence check, and he has a history with... Well, maybe not this particular religion, but... Um, so a 16 plus 6 is a 22. So you correct the statue back up, and you begin to gather the small statues of the animals and you place them down you can clearly see where they would go at the base of the statue because of the uh, weathering of the platform beneath it mm -hmm. and you note that there are two spots that look like things are missing from something like this it's probably better not to leave half done um, so he'll take a moment to see if maybe he can look around and find where those statues are. He's not too worried about wasting time. Um, in fact, being near a landmark is going to probably be better for having his companions find him than not. So as you look around, uh, you find one had been thrown into just the edge of the pond, and another had been thrown a bit farther away. Uh, into the forest, like down the trail a bit. You replace them. What are you going to do to mend this bowl? How is it split? It looks like it was just split pretty, like someone took it and just broke it right down the middle. Okay. Um... I wonder, do carpenter's tools come with wood glue? That would make things simple. Nailing it back together probably isn't going to be great. But <laughs> What kind of um, offerings would they have been left? Uh, liquids or solids? You don't see any offerings around. Right. Would... Um... Any of the stories that I read in the, the Coventry uh, mentioned any sort of common features among religions like these? That's a bit of a stretch. but Usually it would just be like little bits of food. Something to share so that the journey wouldn't... So that, the, so that you would be watched over for your journey. So it doesn't need to be watertight. Uh, in that case, I'm going to take uh, pliers from Thieves' Tools and some... Um, some of the hooks from the fishing tackle and use them basically to staple the two bits of wood back together. It's not a great job, but it'll, it'll contain berries or whatever without them going everywhere. Um, and yeah, after that he'll toss some rations in there, I guess, for good luck. Leave his note and head down the trail. Okay. Uh, can you give me a perception check? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
So a modified one. Roll the two. Okay, give me one moment while I look at this. Not a modified one? Yeah. Um, you're, I, I can understand. You're, you're spooked. You've lost all your companions. You're, you've heard a superstition a... about maidens of the forest. You are stapling, you're correcting this shrine in the hopes that this will do something, that this will be good for you. Also, he's used to working as part of a group, pretty much exclusively, and used to working in a city, pretty much exclusively, so he is extraordinarily out of his element at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that, that's understandable. Oh. So as you place your offering in the bowl, there's a brief scent of lavender and honey that wafts and hits your nostrils. Very different than the rest of the scent throughout this forest. And a gentle breeze begins to blow through the trees around you. The mist that was being slowly broken apart by the rain completely seems to be dispersed. And a thin beam of moonlight breaks through the clouds, falling onto the shrine in front of you. And for the briefest of moments, you almost think that the statue's smiling at you. Was it a trick of the light? Who can say? But as you turn, looking back at the path, you see that down one path, you can see another beam of moonlight. And in the other direction, simply the dark forest. Keeping in mind that the other stories about the maidens is that they lead men off fire lights and then kill them in horrible ways. Uh, he's going to go after the moonlight. <laughs> it's the best he's got. Um, uh, and yeah, in the note that he leaves behind, he'll also note which path he took. The and one you... with the moonlight. Well, no. <laughs> left or right. <laughs> like... Um, especially if the moon's out, then he might be able to figure out which, like, cardinal direction it is. Next person goes to figure out the cardinal direction, clouds just close up over the moon. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, left or right is pretty... Uh, back to the shrine, took the one left. Hopefully the shrine can't move. At uh, that point, I'm, like, he's done everything he can. Uh, <laughs> and with that, uh, let's, as, y as Yovan begins to walk down that path... Let's switch over to Melian and Faileth. So you've drawn your sword, Melian, and as the rain is falling and it's dispersing the fog that is closed in around you, you still can't really see because uh, you don't have any to... source of light. <laughs> so what are you and Faileth doing? So Melian will drop into like a combat crouch and very quietly put... Phala's feet on the ground, like lower her until she's standing. Melian, did we lose everyone? I think yes. I am not comfortable yelling out, but I do have a torch in my bag. Give me a moment. I can light it. I have a spell. So Melian will pull out that. a torch. Melian will pull out a torch and stab it into the ground in front of him. It should be soft and wet now. And, and uh, I do carry Felix torches. Press the digitate it lighted. So, so as you spell. as you light that torch, you hear Oh me! Ah! 
and you see at the edge of your vision an old crone in a dress with an animal skin slung over her shoulder, carrying a wicker basket, blinking at you. Oh, hello! Your basket? Oh, hello! Who are you? What are you doing here? I'm Fela, this is Melian, and we're lost. There was some weird mook stuff, and, uh, yeah, we got trapped here. Well, trapped is a very strong word, but we got lost here. She looked at you, and she sort of cocks her head a bit to the side, tuts a little bit, and then she walks over and walks past you, and you see her reach down and pull up a mushroom and put it into her wicker basket. You haven't told us who you are yet, old mother. Oh, oh, little fading. You're what? I'm Janice. Hello, Janice. Do you know where we are? You're in the forests of Dalmar. Well, we knew that. Did we? Melian, did we know that? Ah, yes. We knew that. Well, little failing, what are you doing so far from the city gates? They haven't let anyone out of the city for the past 200 years. Uh, Um, I'm not from a city. I think you'll find, old mother, that we are not failings. Yeah, it's not failing, it's faileth. Like a less at the end. I also don't believe this is the forest of Dalmar. She puts her finger to her chin and begins to tap it as she thinks. And you notice that the pelt over her shoulder sort of moves a bit. And then it redistributes, and then it, it pulls down, and it, like, bites onto its own tail. Oh. And then she yeah. puts up puts up her hand and goes, Gunborg will know what to do. Come with me. Uh, I would um, prefer that we stay where we are. And allow our friends to find us. But she says she has someone who knows what to do. This way! Okay. And she sort of oh, God. dances out one of her hands, and you see <laughs> little purple lights sort of form and flutter about her head and trail behind Ooh. her. Those are so pretty! Look, I can do that, too! And I press and digitate some dancing sparks. Shit. Uh, um... Melian, very cognizant of the fact that his letter told him to do what Faileth does. Follow Faileth. Sheaves his sword and picks up his torch and follows the two ladies into what is almost certainly death. So as you begin to make your way, you, you go through the twisting trees until you come to a sudden and distinctive change in the forest. The forest changes from that strangling, carnivorous, predatory plant life that is seeking the sunlight to what looks like manicured and well-ordered. As you step almost past what you almost feel almost as if like it's a, a bubble of some kind and over a small thin row of 
perfectly circular white stones. In front of you is a beautiful sight. Above you, it seems to be that there is a single massive tree that climbs above the rest. And from it dangle purple blooms with yellow hearts that glow softly, illuminating beneath what you can see are patches of small bell-shaped blooms with purple and white dots that almost seem to form the sides of a path that gun that Janice seems to be following. And a bit further than that, you see stalks of green that end in large balls of hundreds of densely packed, six-petaled, brightly pink flowers. And smaller trees with large clumps of five-lobed flower, purple flowers, with the scent of honey and earthiness. And as you continue, you get this really deep scent of lavender. And you come around a bend, and in front of you, not far, is a small pond, and on the other side of it, a hut that seems to be at the base of this massive tree that is exuding, that is illuminating the area. And on either side, are clumps of silver-gray foliage spiked with fragrant spires of purple-blue flowers. A tower over this misty-gray foliage beneath it. And Janice, in front of you, yells out, Look, sister, I found some mortals for dinner! Ooh, what you're serving! I like dinner. And from the inside, you hear a deep voice. Stop scaring the poor thing! You're not we are vegetarian! Me. For the record, I'm not scared. But that was a pretty good joke. And Janice looks back at you and goes, <laughs> I like to have some fun. And the door opens, and another elderly crone hobbles out a bit, looks at you, looks at Melian, looks at you again, looks at Melian, looks next to you where your mother has formed, looks back at you, Fela, looks back at Melian, looks at Janice, points at your mother and then just makes like a flicking motion and your mother gets blown away. Oi! Oh no. Can you teach me to do that? Teach you to do what, Phyllis? Oh, she put, she did a thing with her fingers and mom just went flying! That would be so handy when she's being a right pill. Uh, indeed, if they teach you, if they could teach me as well, that would be great. <laughs> Can you see my mom? You say that that's your mom? Yeah, that's me old mom. But most <laughs> people can't see her. Gunborg, 
She says she's not a failing from Dalmar. No, I'm a fail-less from nowhere. Janice, use your eyes. Of course, no one in Dalmar is out of half-breed in a thousand years. She's um, only half. He's, um, I don't know. I'm a full fail-less. Uh, Melian will lean down and say, I, I think I think they speak of your parentage, Finley. You mean like I'm half elf? Indeed. Oh. Elf. Heh. <laughs> and Gunberg goes over to a like a, a stump and sort of taps a bit on it, and two benches grow out of the sides of it. That's a cool trick too. You have a lot of really cool magic. While this has been going on, Janice apparently had gone into the small hut and brings out a few bowls that she begins to place on the table. They're filled with berries and mushrooms, nuts, small greens that have been plucked. Things that definitely are out of season. It is almost winter. Melian is torn because on the one hand, you don't be rude when someone offers you a seat and some food on the road and say no. Well, on the other hand, I think he's aware that if you go into like a fae place and eat their food, now you owe them something. <laughs> so <laughs> Melian is like, ooh, do I eat do a berry? Mm. Isn't the usual thing to offer something in return? As long as it isn't given freely. Yeah, but I don't know if Melian knows the myths that well. He's intelligence mm. is only eight. So he remembers that maybe you're not supposed to eat anything. But he also remembers you have to eat something. So he's that's all. That's all he's got. Oof, that's a rough spot to be in. He's going to wait and see what Faelith does. Because he has to follow her. Sit. <laughs> sit down. We can talk. How did you get lost? Well, we came into the forest with our prisoner guide and some guard people. And then we found this big old tree, but all the candles were burned out. So I used my special spell to light the candles. And then we crossed and followed the shadow. And then I went to turn off the candles with my spell. But I didn't need to because they turned off all by themselves. And then this mist came and it covered us all. And we ran and we got separated, I think, or something. And when the rain came and made all the mist go away, we were standing where we found you, mistress. And uh, it was dark, so Melian took out a torch and I lit it. And that's when we saw you. And then we followed you here. And that's the whole story. And absolutely how we became lost. Gunborg, I think we should help them. Yes, please. She's such a nice child. I really am. You see Janice is sort of just... She's pleading with her sister. And her sister is just looking you up and down. And then Melian and just looking back and forth. What were you doing in the forest? You know, it's real funny. But I'm not completely sure. I think we were trying to find a missing old man. Right, Melian? Indeed, who had been captured by bandits, and I was going I to knew... slaughter them two o one. Right, I know there was something about bandits. 
To be quite honest, I wasn't always paying attention. Missing people. Missing people is one of our fortes. Oh, can you help us find him? Probably. So long Melian. as they haven't crossed into Dalmar. Do you remember his name? Uh... Yes. And then Melian but... says his name. <laughs> I don't... Uh, uh, Zadok really, no. Marsh? That's the one, Marsh. But the old man Marsh, not the two husbands Marsh. Well, if he's in the forest, I, we possibly can help you. Oh, lovely. But why should we? Um, she sort of strokes one of the pelts on her as she looks at you. Because it's the nice thing to do? The nice thing to do was to bring you here, somewhere safe. Somewhere that the dark magic flowing out of Dalmar can't get to you. Perhaps that we can offer nice you... Thing. Perhaps we can offer you something in exchange. Oh, do you have uh, any any loved ones that you've got unfinished business with? I can I can do like a little parlay with for you if you like. There is one thing you could do. You see, this forest is divided up into a few sections, and. We can't go far from this lovely little bubble of ours. Wait, mistresses. If you are capable of finding missing persons, perhaps you could find our companions. Ah. A paladin, nearly eight feet tall and dark like the dusky sky at midnight. Quarry! And don't tell them their names. <laughs> no, never mind. Why not? Uh, and a human man, full of knowledge, like a cup full of beer. The foam is sometimes unpleasant, but when you get to the real contents, uh, it is quite <laughs> enjoyable. And his name is not Yovan. <laughs> she looks at you and nods. Not Yovan. Yes, because for some reason, Melian doesn't want me to tell you their name. I, I would just prefer that we keep their names out of it. A dead. See? Janice. There are also two guards and a prisoner, though I care less about them. Seth is the prisoner's name, and he's going to be my best friend. Other than you, Melian. Oof. <laughs> Well, you don't even count as a friend. You're my brother, so... She raises an eyebrow at that. <laughs> Both of them are just looking and like... Looking back and forth. And Janice and, and Gamborg looks at you, Melian, and goes... I hope you're not lying to the small thing. You are certainly not her brother. Oh. Janice... 
Not by like Bring blood or the anything. Bowl. Uh, I mean, really, she adopted me. Yeah, I found him on a battlefield, and I decided to keep him. The bonds of companionship, not of blood. Quite strong. Very powerful for some types of magic. Now. Janice. Where is the bowl? Well. I was out picking some. Janice. Did you leave the bowl in the forest? No, it's right here. And Janice pulls a bowl out from inside the wicker basket <laughs> that she had the mushrooms in. You actually saw a look of fear go over Gunborg's face. Do you, do you perhaps have something belonging to either of these two individuals? Or oh. something that connects you to them? Um. A piece of their hair, a, an object, a, a letter with their name, a... Something that bring brought you together. What if well, I have? Oh yes. I give them uh, my letter. <laughs> Cast very heavy-handedly, like guys. Remember that thing you have? <laughs> We're like, no, <laughs> no, we do not. I'm like, what can what can I pretend that I've been collecting their hair all this time? It wouldn't be that weird. Yeah, I was like, I was trying to figure out a way. I might have that letter that uh, Yovin was was forging, and then he was like, that somebody might have given you, and I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> Yovan subconsciously counts his teeth and doesn't know why. <laughs> I was, was going to say. Yeah, the tooth fairy visited them and... Normally uh... <laughs> oh. tooth fairy doesn't bring a hammer, but... Gunborg's eyes actually go a bit wide and she's like, you know, I've been using the example of a letter or something drawing people together, but no one ever has one. This one literally drew us together. Like, it's a thing that says, hey, do this and, like, find each other and stuff. Uh, like, however, my letter does not name the participants. It doesn't have their names, but it does say that we'll find... My letter does say that I'll find them. Uh, does my it letter describe them? Yes. Excellent. That might work. And she holds out her hands. But if we do this for you, Across this forest, there are three shrines erected to <laughs> us when we were beautiful and young. So very recently, then. Oh, you lover boy. <laughs> I like you. They've recently been vandalized by those that have moved into the druid burial grounds. Those cheeky bastards! 
if you will correct these shrines, it, it doesn't need to be immediately, but sometime within the next hundred years. We will be most oh, yeah. certainly obliged, should you yeah. fail to do to correct these within a hundred years. You will find your way back here. And you'll join them. And she points. And you notice there are a lot of animals around here. Are those all people that didn't fix your shrine? Amongst other things. Okay, I'll do my best. But if I do have to be an animal, can I be a squirrel? You'll be the animal that your soul most closely represents. Ah, so a squirrel. <laughs> Quite possibly. You could also be a chicken. Oh, I like chicken. Oh, maybe I'm a toad. And while Faileth begins to go back and forth musing on what kind of animal she would be if transformed. Or a raccoon! <laughs> That's you. I would obviously be a bear. Yes, But probably. you're a lion! <laughs> no, that is the most truthful thing I think I have ever told you. But I've seen you turn into a lion. Have you? And you go pretty hair. Well, perhaps a lion person. So as I you know mew... what I am. <laughs> I'm one of those fish that can, like, walk on land. <laughs> so as you are talking back and forth, uh, Gunborg and Janice, they, they've... Gunborg takes the bowl and she fills it with water, and Janice goes around plucking uh, various herbs and thing and flowers... Uh, she, you see her walk up to the side of the really tall tree that is canopying everything and sort of bathing it, this area in that beautiful light. She knocks on it, and one of the uh, strands that of that has the large conical clumps of flowers that are hanging down sort of extends down to her level, and she picks a few of them off, begins to grind them into a mortar and pestle, and they begin to put them into the bowl. And then she takes the letter, she holds it up, and rips a tiny corner off of it. And then hands the letter back to you. Well, thank you. Placing it into the bowl, nothing seems to happen at first. They sort of wave their hands over the bowl, begin to mutter things. They mutter things in a language that's very similar to the Elvish you know, but it almost seems far more formal. And you see flickering images. You see a sort of a shadow standing in front of one of those shrines, and this likely might be one of the shrines that the ladies were talking about. It has a elven, a st beautiful statue of an elven woman that's been knocked over, and you see the shadow sort of correcting and fixing it. 
before walking, wandering off, following down a path. But interspersed with that, you see flickers of moving through a sort of a dark, dismal section of the forest, and then a a sudden feeling of dread, and the, and the sound that suddenly echoes in your mind of like a tree snapping or breaking, deadfall coming down on top of someone. And then for the briefest of moments, there is a flash. And you see almost as if you're looking through a pane of ice. A beautiful face with hair the color of snow. A face that's androgynous, almost. With eyes shining blue. And the water in the bowl freezes solid. And Gunward and Janice just back off. Who was that? That final she one was... was not our friend. But she was beautiful. Some things are better left undisturbed, young one. It appears that one of your friends may have already helped you in completing the task we have sent put forward to you. It appears that he may have fixed one of our vandalized shrines. It oh, is near the job. southeastern edge of our territory. I can most certainly open a way for you. But on the other hand, your other friend is in a much more precarious situation. If Quarry's in trouble, we should probably go help her. One thing, though, that I did note. While she's in a precarious situation, I don't think that your help is needed. Can we find As them? To... I disagree. I know. <laughs> Quiet, whispering voice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. And Janice sort of starts to sing a little song. A song that you faintly can almost remember each of you. You feel like you've heard it before. A very familiar song. But one that you don't necessarily know the words to. Something that maybe was sung to you when you were a child. Maybe was something you heard in a tavern. And as she sings it, you see one of the animals. A rather strange sight for Faileth. 
a not-as-strange sight for Melian, an arboreal octopus, usually only native to the northern regions, crawls out from along one of the branches, and then turns into a ball of light. And Janice looks at you, look, and then looks at Gunborg. And Gunborg looks at you. You can find your friends if you follow Jeffrey. Our thanks, mistresses. But I must warn you, beyond our protective bubble, beyond our this safe haven, The forest of Dalmar has become quite dangerous. We will take your warning into account. We are perhaps just as dangerous for the forest as it is to us. And Melian will heft his torch threateningly. I don't know. Dalmar but like at the forest, not silent. Them. Its gates have been closed. But there is something wrong in this forest now. Perhaps it is what lies in the shadow of the mountain. The man with eyes of blue. Or perhaps it comes from the heart of Dalmar itself. Be wary. And know that if you die, forest <laughs> we'll be sure to make sure that your souls come to stay here as they should be envisioned in animals uh, Melian chuckles perhaps a little like overcompensatingly and says uh, my thanks mistresses but I have no intention of dying here as soon die here as anywhere. Of course. Of course. Now go. Thank you. And as you leave, following the ball of light, you hear the two of them chattering back and forth, talking about probabilities. And the last thing before we flip scenes... So you hear Gunberg say, actually, can I have a perception check for if I, for which one of you, or if both of you hear them? Mm -hmm. A flat ten. I don't hear it. Nobody heard. Uh, no, Cass's so Melian, <laughs> Melian will hear this. <laughs> this was really just to decide who got it. <laughs> it's not me. I got my nap one. Secretly really glad it wasn't just Faelith. <laughs> Janice, we should prepare. The time of the Red Wind is coming. The Twiceborn walks. Oh, damn it. I don't know if I'll tell you about this. They mentioned me by name. And with that, who do we go to next? 
Would you like to hear what happens with Yovan? Or would you like to hear what happens with Kawari? I think Kawari was in a bit more of an interesting position not to throw <laughs> Ali under the bus. <laughs> I am. But I mean, does that mean that we should continue to build the suspense? Or. Oh, fair turnaround. Um, all right, sure. Uh, Yovan's running down a path. Or walking down a path. It's not. So, Yovan, you are walking down a path. The path in front of you is an interesting one. It is very clearly and actually a well-traveled path. Hmm. Okay. And there is a beam of light probably every, like, 50 feet. Just coming down, piercing through the foliage. Oh, that's soul's reflected light, right? That's yes, built into is. the religion, if I understand correctly. So, yeah. Yovan will choose to take it as a good sign. Can I have a perception check as you are wandering through this foresty domain? Mm, perception checks. Huh, okay, I'm doing better. Doing better. That's a modified five, a six. So it was a six. It's actually a five. Oh. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to burn two. Uh, oh, we're just going to... Three tricks. Three tricks. I'm going to go all in. Give me a second here. We're going to make that a bit better. So that's a one. That's a four. That's a three. Okay, so plus seven. So we're at a twelve. And I'm almost out of my tricks, but that's fine. So you are going along, and you come to a spot, and you are hearing muttering. Leave me alone, go away, leave me alone, go away. I don't want to be alone, I don't want to be alone, leave me alone, go away. I don't want to be alone, I don't want to be alone, leave me alone, go away. Where are you? Why are you? Leave me alone, go away, go away, leave me alone. <laughs> What are the chances this is one of the guards or uh, Seth? It sounds nearby. Pretty close. It might be familiar. Okay. Jovan is going to very careful not to startle him. Sneak up so he can see who exactly it is before he makes himself known. So remember it's really dark. Are you gonna what are you gonna do with your light? Uh leave it where it is. Hopefully it casts enough light that I can mm. I suppose I'm not going to be able to see him at all without the light, aren't I? Okay, well, yeah, there's no way that he's going to be able to see who it is without uh, shining a bit of light on them. So he's going to direct the hand to... Okay, he's going to sneak right up to the very edge of where the light is without moving the light at the moment. See what he can see, and then move it from... So as you slowly begin to move the light, the light falls across a pool, like a small pool of red. And as it continues, slowly moving, you illuminate a hunched human or humanoid form as it's back to you. That seems like that is like curled up against a log. 
rocking back and forth, still muttering. Is it wearing anything? It is wearing clothing. Not recognizable clothing? It looks really dirty, really torn, but it looks similar to the clothing that Seth was wearing. We may need to hop over to uh, Ali for a little bit here. I mean, this is kind of a suspenseful moment to leave the oven. We'll, we'll flip over to... Let's flip over to Ali. But we've suspensefully left Yovan in the situation where he's just come across possibly Seth, who might be alone, curled up in the dark, muttering. Now we'll move over to Kwari. Pinned. <laughs> beneath that deadfall. Who apparently doesn't need help. Your legs are sort of trapped in this mucky gunk. It was at the base of the tree that you had stepped into. Mm-hmm. And you've taken a considerable chunk of damage. Mm-hmm. Your lantern... Mm-hmm. has sprawled in front of you. Can you give me a pure luck check for how it fell? Okay, I was rolling it and it fell out of my hand and I was really disappointed that I didn't get to do a proper roll, but it landed on a nat 20, so I'm fine with that. Okay. So I don't set the forest on fire? Yeah, your lantern falls... It doesn't break, and it does land on its base. Perfect. And the light is shining just straight out in a cone in front of you. Mm-hmm. And you see something as you're wiggling, you're like you're trying to get out from under this, and you see. Some small animals. Hmm. Like the bitey kind? You see, it looks like a few mice or rats mm-hmm. that come out and seem to dart. But then you see a paw. another paw and the muzzle of a wolf Mm. and as it begins to bare its teeth you see insect like mandibles oh no okay can I um 
swing my arms aren't pinned right just my legs no, just your legs okay can i swing my war pick kind of menacingly in front of me sure. definitely want them all to know that i'm not dead and maybe still a bit of a threat okay uh how about give me um intimidation give me an intimidation check Ugh. Oh. Uh, nine. They know some trapped dinner when they see it. Puts its head up as if to start baying. Mm-hmm. As if to call. Mm-hmm. And then yelps. Oh. It almost begins to shriek. Oh. And it begins to thrash about rubbing its nose its maw on leaves on the trees just backing up its head thrashing back and forth and you can see steam rising from it remembering all the acid damage that I saw earlier um, Quarry would probably breathe Oxir bag and look around to see if they can see um, what dropped the acid on the wolf. The wolf yips and yowls and just backs off and disappears out of sight. And there's general silence for quite a while. And then you feel something a bit cold and clammy mm-hmm. crawl almost over your legs and oh. up onto the deadfall that is uh-huh. pinning you. Mm-hmm. And you see a single loop of sort of a tentacle stretch out in front of you into the light. Uh Uh-huh. There is quite possibly an arboreal octopus on top of the deadfall on your back. I mean, I definitely expected to see one. Although Quarry does not expect any arboreal octopus to speak, uh, they do kind of murmur soothingly to it in giant and you know (laughs) uh, thanking them profusely for uh, probably dealing with the wolf and um, and asking for help Um, and as they do that they're kind of like trying to shift their legs under the deadfall to see if the the decay is soft enough that they can perhaps wiggle out from under the tree. If they can pull themselves out from under it. So as you wiggle, as you're trying to test back and forth, you hear a hissing, bubbling sound. Sort of coming from behind you, a bit above you. Quarry immediately freezes and tries to move their 
head around enough to see the octopus, but probably can't turn far enough. You cannot. <sighs> A single tentacle sort of comes down and caresses your bald head. <laughs> Soul. And just as quickly as it came, it pulls back. You can feel it moving away. Give me a strength check. With advantage. That's a nine. Oh, what's my strength? That's four. Uh, that's a thirteen. Okay. As you sort of push up off the ground this time, the rotted tree that mm -hmm. had fallen on you apparently seems to have been melted or eaten away acidically a decent chunk. Hmm. Enough that as you push up, you push and break enough of the tree that you're able to get yourself up. You're now standing in a sort of like thick morass of rotted mud and roots. Can I grab the lantern? Uh, if you pull yourself out. Okay, yeah, I will pull myself out. You pull yourself out, your lower half and is filthy, hmm. and as you reach for the lantern and pick it up, the muck has all sluiced off you. Hmm. Um, I'll point the lantern in the direction that the octopus was headed. So you cast your lantern about. And for a brief moment, you think you see a single tentacle. And then it pulls up into the canopy of a tree. And it's gone. Whisper a thank you after the octopus, and uh, kneel down in front of the lantern, which is not the light of the sun, but is a source of light. And offer a prayer to soul for the absolutely miraculous intervention because there should not be any orboreal octopi octopuses octopuses here this far south perhaps you would stumble into its octopus's garden <laughs> oh no sorry those are in the sea my bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah and quarry feels particularly blessed because among their people it is considered uh, a, a sign of good fortune and blessing to even see an arboreal octopus just to catch a glimpse of one. To be rescued by one and touched by them but not burned is almost entirely unheard of except, of, except for in rare legend. So they're a little bit humbled and very very grateful but they don't spend too long with their prayers because they do definitely remember that creepy wolf thing. And so they, uh, not having really any better idea of where to go, they sort of head in the direction that the octopus was headed in case that was some kind of sign. So Quarry starts to head off in the direction of the octopus. Yovan? So Yovan's going to approach us carefully. Um, 
because he can't afford to leave this person by the side of the road in case it is one of his companions. But if it is something from the woods, uh, he's very likely to be eaten. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, gonna, he's gonna bring the lantern down um, and then place it gently on the ground. And then have his uh, hand um, set up a, a wire out of some rope um, between some of the trees between him and the human figure. And then he's once he's sure that it's secure, he's going to call out to it. Seth, is that you? Go away, 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 go away. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone. Why did they leave me alone? Where did they go? I don't don't want to be here. I didn't want to come back. I never wanted to come back. I don't want to be here. Uh, Jovan very nearly um, decides to follow the thing's instructions and leave it be. But it it sounds like... Could be Seth? It sounds like Seth. Ooh, that tone in your voice, Cass, <laughs> is so sinister. Oh, 100% like nice. him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to call it one more time. Seth, it's Yovan. I'm here to help. I'm here to get you out of here. He sort of twitches and curls a bit further in, but... He looks towards you, and you can see his hair has fallen a bit over his face, but it looks like Seth. Neither one of us is getting out of this alone. Come on, work with me, and I'll work with you. And he holds up his hands, and they are still manacled, and you can see the rope goes off and to the other side of the log. I'm going to walk a little bit closer here, Seth. Don't... Don't do anything... Silly. Stepped off the path. Stepped off the path. Stepped off the path. They got... They they got... (laughs) So much blood! Oh, Yovan doesn't like that at all. Alright. Seth... I'm gonna I'm gonna attach another rope to your manacles, and I'm gonna cut that one, and then you're gonna walk towards me, okay? Don't leave me alone, please. Not again. So, uh, Yovin's going to direct his mage hand to to wrap a a new rope, um, just tie it to an arm or a leg or, or to the manacles, whatever's most convenient for him. So as you do that, can you give me a dexterity sleight of hand check? Oh, I'm good at those. Hey, so that's a 15, uh, 22. So you are able to tie it, but just as you tie it, something else tugs on the other side of the rope. (laughs) The rope I'm holding on to? The other rope attached to the manacles. Ah, uh, right. Uh, cutting Ed. that rope. Um. <laughs> Please give me a strength check. For the ha- mage hand? No, because I-, I assume your mage hand has to go and 
get a knife to cut the rope. Oh, and something's pulling on Seth. Right. Ha! Terrifying. Right. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Hey, that's not so bad, Shad. Uh, that's a, a 14, which after modifiers is also a 14. Uh. So you are... You, you're, you're, your mage hand attaches, and there's a sudden pull, and Seth is, like, yanked up. He's standing, and he's, like, trying to pull himself to not fall over the log. And he starts to scream. Right. I'm going to direct the hand Phalith, move as fast as I can. Phalith and Melian. Mm-hmm. You're going along a path, and you hear somewhere in the ahead of you a scream. It a Ma masculine scream of utter horror and terror. Can I tell that it's my boy Seth? Have you ever heard Seth scream before? I don't even fight it. it maybe? It, it sounds familiar. Could be Yogan. Uh, Melian puts himself between Faileth and the scream, but then quickly moves towards it, uh, still holding a torch in one hand, because... Fuck being duplicitous. I need to be able to see. You, your area is also being lit by that ball of light mm -hmm. that's sort of just floating ahead of you, and it starts to move faster towards the screen. Bailiff, come. I'm coming, I'm coming! I think that's my best friend, Mr. Seth. I'm back to Yovan. Seth is standing precariously. He's like he's being pulled pretty hard. You you've got a decent hold actually on it, ish. <laughs> yep. But it's just filling you with confidence. Absolutely. But you're being pulled as well. Um, I'm going to use the telekinetic shove to try to push Seth towards me as well, as well as I'm pushing. Oh. Uh, pulling on the rope myself. Um, I'm just going to mentally will... How does that work? Oh, yeah, I suppose this will be the first time it's been used. So it's from uh, Ashes Cauldron. Ash just released here. So as a bonus action, I can attempt to telekinetically shove a creature within 30 feet. Um, target makes a strength save versus 8 plus proficiency plus int modifier. And you shove five feet towards or away from me. Um, a creature can voluntarily fail this save. Well, Seth doesn't know you're shoving and is also terrified, so he will roll against your save, but he got a six. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, so the base is eight plus, so we're gonna. <laughs> I don't need to go and add all that out. Um, so he's, he's pushed five feet towards me if it's possible for him to do so. So he is pushed five feet, and you see the rope uh, actually snaps on him. Like, the other rope that was pulling him snaps because of your telekinetic shove. And okay. then he I'm starts gonna... to crawl towards you. All right, uh, I'm going to direct the hand, that uh, the mage hand, to instead cut the tripwire I set up. He is, like, trying to crawl towards you as you're beginning to pull him. He's still crying and screaming. Do you look? No. Where he... 
No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, not not at all. Okay. I was like, you hear the sound of the forest of, of like cracking and breaking and things being crushed. Come on, Seth. I need you to work with me, bud. Come on. Just I'm... as Seth is up, maybe he's about like ten feet from you. You see pushing through the foliage wicked, sharp-looking antlers coming out of a skull with wicked teeth. A dire stag bear? (laughs) It does look ursine. But then there is a slicing sound and a tree falls. And as it comes into the light, you see that this might be a dire stag bear. A rather humongous creature. But your knowledge of a dire stag bear should be much more something much more similar to a normal bear crossed with an elk Still very wicked, more like the size of a polar bear. Angry. This seems bigger. The bottom half of it is insectoid. With large insect legs coming off of it, segmented, but it has, but it almost centaurs up into like the upper half of a bear okay. with claws. I hate this. Right. Um, so. And as that comes out, Faileth and Melian, you can see the light of someone's lantern up ahead. Excellent. And two figures, one crawling away from this terrifying monster and another standing there that really looks like Yovan. Yovan! And as Faileth calls out, we'll switch over to Kawari. <laughs> Just um, suddenly not so upset about where I ended up. Do I hear any screaming? Quarry, as you are moving through the forest, hmm? uh, you come to an, a clearing. Oh. And in the center of this clearing is a large stump. Oh! Excellent. I just need to wait here for my friends. But as you start to think <laughs> that, you hear a roar? That sounds like something horrifying. <laughs> and then you hear Faileth yell out, Yovan. Ah, excellent. I will... I mean, it could be a trick of the forest, but maybe not. I... <sighs> What's something only Faileth would know that she would yell? <laughs> <laughs> um... 
I'm just thinking that I... There's no way to really tell the points of the compass, right? Because you can't see the stars. Yep. I will run in the direction of my friend's voice. And that is where we will leave session. <laughs> no. <laughs> you better appreciate Faileth. I was very close just leaving Seth where he was. <laughs> <laughs> listening to Roll With Adventure, where we bring you this story from our imagination to your ears. If you liked what you heard, please rate us on Apple Podcast and visit us at www.rollwithadventure.com. Our intro and outro music is Brave by Arcane Anthems. Thanks for the components of this episode's soundscapes. Go to zapsplat.com, Arcane Anthems, and Purple Planet Music. Full credits are in the episode description. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Bye! Well, we're ready when you guys are. Alright. Just let me know when you hit record. I heard Sasha say yep, but I didn't actually hear her in the... Sasha, are you... I unmuted myself to say yep. And then accidentally double-clicked, so I unmuted myself and then immediately <laughs> muted myself again. You might have heard me say, yeah. <laughs> uh, we didn't even hear that. Uh, you I mean, were I so it. good on the muting. I double-muted, so... But yes, I'm here. I'm ready. And the recording has started. Hey, I don't want to point out like point of order, but should we introduce ourselves? Don't we do that? No, you, you, Isn't that... that what character initiation is for? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Turns out I don't remember how this works. <laughs> Bear with us. It's okay, you're on weeks. vacation. You're on vacation. I think I... I caught all of them except Allie. Oh, I rolled a 12. Minus 2 is 10. But I want to say that well, the way I rolled it, it rolled all the way up my paper onto my laptop and stopped just at the very edge of the laptop before it fell onto the table. It was impressive to watch. Nice. So while I may okay. not be dexterous, my dice is. And then you hear... Did we lose you, or...? <laughs> and then we hear what? I, I, I actually I like... hear dead <laughs> silence, which is creepier than anything we've heard yet. We can't even hear our own footsteps. Are we really here? Do we still exist? <laughs> As you've been enveloped by mist. <laughs> well, it was nice playing with you guys. So, Roll a few characters, shall we? Yeah, in the break, yep. uh, get yourself a new character sheet. We've been eaten by the forest. Mm-hmm. New wish in the We live animal. here now. We're going to be NPCs that we have to fight later. We've been eaten by a group. No. <laughs>
Miss Sasha, um, yeah. at some point, uh, you should probably open your document. Oh, yes. I can do that right now if you like. Yes. <laughs> this will probably just go in the bloopers at the end of the episode. She's been stealing my teeth for, uh, for a full year, but I keep um, regrowing them every time I touch <laughs> He put, uh, collects teeth, use some tooth fairy-like villain against her at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Up there with how I'm afraid of rainbows and of, uh, about seeds that will grow in my stomach. Amazing. I just keep giving him ammo. Just <laughs> like tooth fairy. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <Or> dear arms. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. <laughs> Just had this mental image of a bear, but instead of a bear head, there's just the front half of a of a deer, like it's a centaur of a deer and a bear. Sorry. 